The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. So 156 of the podcast, or you're joining us live here on YouTube. I am joined in the flesh by the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Jeff. The animal wills. Jeff, it's been so long since we've done this live and in person. I think the last time we did this live, we were in a bar in Manhattan, and we were just doing this on this little voice recorder I have as a as a backup here. Uh, but we just witnessed UFC 242 from Abu Dhabi. Before we get into that, how you doing on this Saturday afternoon, my friend? Bill, it's awesome. I drove out here to come see you. You're visiting the family. Said hi to the family as well. Um feel good, man. It's been a while since we've done this. Yeah. Full disclosure, we are sitting in my parents' dining room right now in New Rochelle, New York. By the way, I never said this earlier, but today is Saturday, September the 7th. So, day earlier than you're used to getting the show. You guys didn't get a show last week. A lot of you are unhappy about that, but what can I say? I was spending time with the family. I was out at Hershey Park for my celebrating my mom's birthday. I brought the baby up. To visit my mom for her 60th birthday. Happy birthday, mom. And here we are. So we're sitting in the dining room of my parents' house, which is like pretty much the center of the entire household. So we may have some surprise guests coming through. Um, but, you know, we got to kind of roll with the punches here on MMA on the Rocks. So I, I came up, I flew up to New York last week and... Went out to Hershey Park for mom's birthday, and in the meantime, I went down to New York City to train at Henzo Gracie Academy, the original Henzo Gracie Academy on 30th Street in Manhattan. Uh, my buddy Steve Maraboli from the MMA and Beyond podcast set that up, so big shout out to Steve. I'm going to go to hang out with those guys tomorrow night and uh, you know, hopefully get onto the MMA and Beyond podcast. If you guys aren't listening to MMA and Beyond, I, I don't know how else to tell you like you got to listen to it it's it's one of the only mma podcasts that i listen to religiously you know outside of this one and and chill summon so um th- th- there was a lot that went down this week there was a lot going on with me you know i got to take a class with with the famous john danaher at henzo gracie's and that was an amazing experience but um Maybe we should get into this card while it's still uh, fresh in our minds. And if there's still time and if we're not dragging on too long, because uh, we've been putting back a couple of beers here. then uh, And we also got a, a movie to catch tonight, too. We're going to see It, Part 2. Um, so, a lot to go over, Jeff. We, we missed a week last week. We didn't get to talk about uh, Wiley Zhang knocking out Jessica Andrade, that yeah. was a big deal. Yeah, that was nuts. You want to touch on that real quick before we get into this Abu Dhabi card here? Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say because the fight lasted 45 seconds. 
Um, Weili Zhang lands a nasty right hand. <clears throat> I felt like people were underestimating her. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to MMA on point because they did a really good video highlighting a little bit of uh, Wiley Zhang's background and um, some of her fight stats, some of her uh, martial arts that she's practiced. And she was very well-rounded, good submission game, a lot of power, a former Muay Thai champion. So they did an awesome job on that. And they really changed my mind. And I felt after watching that video that Wiley Zhang uh, really was going to put up a better fight than a lot of people expected. Um, so yeah, a phenomenal fight from her. I think she's going to be very successful uh, as a strawweight champion. The first one out of China. Yeah, for sure. First UFC champion out of China, period. Yeah, yeah. Not just strawweight, not just female, uh, but first UFC champion out of China. And she did it in China, which is a huge deal. Uh, for the UFC, from a business standpoint, breaking into those international markets, uh, that's really a tremendous accomplishment. And for Wiley Zhang to get a vicious KO, like a highlight KO reel like that, over the champ in the UFC is huge. Because uh, she's had some impressive performances in the UFC, but I wouldn't say anything like really highlight worthy. Like She's got some head kick knockouts and stuff under her belt before she got to the UFC, but nothing against competition like Jessica Andrade, especially someone who she seemed to tower over. And Andrade is someone who used to fight at bantamweight, yeah. dropped all the way down to strawweight because there was no flyweight division at the time. And a lot of people assumed the trajectory would be that she would defend the strawweight title a couple of times and then move up to flyweight and possibly be the only person who could challenge Valentina Shevchenko. Um, but you know, MMA gonna MMA and, uh, <laughs> you know, we get, we get some unpredictable things happening. Um, so that was that, uh, Jing Liang Li coming away with a, a, a big win yeah. on that card as well in China. And he's another one who's just huge for propelling this UFC market internationally, but I would really love to see him come and fight in the States. I know he does some training at Extreme Couture in Las Vegas, so let's get him on a card in Las Vegas, whenever the next one is. Um, all right, so I'd say we're pretty much caught up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those were really two standout performances from two really great fighters. Um, if you're not, uh, you know, too familiar with these two fighters, definitely go check them out. They've got a lot of good highlights, very, very skilled fighters coming out of China. So I like what they're doing out there. Yeah, so let's get into the main event at Abu Dhabi here, UFC 242. It just wrapped up. It's only 5.45 in the evening, mm -hmm. and we're definitely not used to this kind of timing on a UFC card at all. Um, but, you know, we got to, you know, get things kicked off. Like, we were watching the prelims, like, while we were having lunch. Yeah. <laughs> this is, is kind of nice, and we're able to do the podcast immediately after, which is kind of cool, too. Uh so Khabib Nurmagomedov defends his lightweight championship, moves to 28-0 and 0, uh, against Dustin and Diamond Poirier. And there was a lot of, uh, of dialogue before this fight where a lot of people were saying, you know, Poirier could be the guy, his footwork and his timing, and, you know, he doesn't get tired and this and that. Um, but the result is the same as we've seen time and time again with everybody who's gotten in there with Khabib. Um, you know, once he gets his hands on you and you feel the strength of his grappling, it just seems to slowly suck the life out of everybody. Even 
the toughest competitor like Dustin Poirier, who we know is a fucking dog. I mean, he's been in some in some crazy wars, and we know he's got no quit in him. But somewhere around the second round, he just kind of broke. Um, and even even after the first round, he's like, "There's no space." Yeah. And that was kind of the story of the fight. So uh, give me your reaction to this uh, main event from Abu Dhabi, Jeff. Yeah, I think Dustin Poirier did the best that he could. Uh, it was notable, and you mentioned this while we were watching, Bill. It was notable that Dustin Poirier had been working on his grappling throughout camp. But, you know, what do you do against a guy like Habib who just sticks to you like like a, like a shirt when it's really, really humid out mm-hmm. and you have a hard time taking it off? That's what Khabib is like when he fights. Um, Which was pretty much the weather in Abu Dhabi for all <laughs> of these fighters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody walking out of the, the back was really sweaty. And credit to these fighters, man. They, you know, it's, it must have been horrible conditions to be working in. Um, you know, I complain if it goes above 84 degrees. So <laughs> um, credit to these guys. And Dustin Poirier, unfortunately, um, just couldn't keep up with the pace of Khabib's grappling, and and like we've said a thousand times, Bill, when someone grapples on you like that and and they stay on you, it's so exhausting, it's so tiring, and uh, Dustin Poirier had some bright spots in the second round. We thought that, um, excuse me, that maybe hurt Khabib a little Mm -hmm. bit, but it just wasn't enough because of the pace that Khabib has, and especially for the finish, it was a third round rear naked choke. Khabib was just so smart about it. He had kind of a seatbelt grip, but Dustin Poirier was gripping his one hand, so he used his other hand to break free, and as soon as he did, the hand that was originally caught went right under the chin, mm-hmm. right onto that neck, and just, you know, credit to Dustin Poirier, but unfortunately, Khabib was just too much for him tonight. Yeah, and, and you could tell he got it right across the windpipe of Poirier with that finish because the left side of Khabib was open for for a, a back escape there, but uh, there was just no time to get there because his windpipe was just getting crushed. And for, for those who have been in this position before, you know, there are blood chokes from a rear naked choke, but I feel like that's not what Khabib goes for. Khabib, when he gets your back, he wants to crush your jaw, crush your windpipe. He wants to, he wants to crush, he wants to smish. he wants to smash your body um he he wants you to suffer there you know he doesn't want to put you to sleep he wants you to be awake for it he's a sadistic motherfucker yeah and i think um there's a lot of hate for khabib out there you know he's got you know his, his chauvinistic beliefs that come from his religion and everything like that which puts him in the bad graces of a lot of fans out there which i get I, I totally understand that perspective. And then, you know, there's people who just aren't a fan of his fighting style, that grinding wrestling fighting style. They like the, the, the guys who want to stand and bang and who are good strikers, and I get that too. Um, but there is something so terrifying about a man who wants to keep you awake and keep you alive and torture you until you give up. Uh, it, you know, even if you make it through five rounds with him you're, you're never the same after that um and and it's really such a such a devastating style and i don't see anybody being able to deal with it except for one man and that man is tony fucking ferguson 
But I don't know if we're ever going to see this fight, Jeff. It's been promised to us so many times. And even if Dana White were to come out today and say it's guaranteed Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov are going to fight Christmas Eve or whatever, <laughs> whatever he says, we won't know until, you know, same thing we were saying about Nate Diaz a couple weeks ago. We won't know until the cage door closes and the fight's about to happen. But this has to be the next fight, am I right? Yeah, I don't see anybody else. I mean, he's already tapped Connor. He'd just be uh, Barbosa. I mean, that's in Barbosa. Um, Justin Por- Dustin Poirier. Um, he beat Ally Akinza. Those are all, you know, a lot of the top guys. The only option we have left is Tony Ferguson. And, you know, if if the UFC and MMA gods are listening, please let it happen on the fifth try. Fifth time's a charm, right? I think so. I mean, uh, uh, maybe in dog years or... Or something. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We can only hope that this is the next fight. It's got to be Tony Ferguson because I think that that's the recipe to beat Khabib is somebody who's good off their back. I think trying to get up is just a waste of energy. And we've seen guys make the same mistake time after time is waste so much energy trying to stop the takedown and then try to get up off their back. I think if you have a guy who works off their back, can throw elbows, can throw up submission attempts, makes Khabib not want to be on the ground, and then work from the standing position, that's the recipe to beating him, if there is one at all. Um, and we don't know because we haven't seen it. Um, but let's stick with this lightweight division here, the co-main event, probably the, the fight of the night, yeah. I would say. Paul Felder and Edson Barbosa in a rematch that ended, unfortunately, with a doctor stoppage from a cut uh, that Paul Felder suffered in their first fight that was, uh, I don't know how many years ago, because I think you and I watched it at a bar in Weehawken, New Jersey, yeah. um, which had to be at least over three years ago, because I've been living in Florida for over three years now. Um, at four years ago? I don't know. I think it may have even been before we started the podcast. In any case, Paul Felder, Edson Barbosa beat the fuck out of each other. Uh, and then Paul Felder kind of pulled away in that third round. He clearly won that third round. You could even argue with 10 in that third round for the amount of damage he landed on Barbosa. He really busted him up. He wobbled him a couple of times with some close-range elbows. Uh, he, he cut him. He was bleeding. But then Felder was bleeding in the beginning of the fight. This was like a whole disaster. I thought Barbosa did enough to win the fight. I thought he won the first two rounds, and, and Felder won the third. Um, one judge gave it 30-27 for Barbosa, which is fucking ridiculous because Felder, like, clearly dominated that third round. I mean, Barbosa hit that takedown with the last eight seconds or something, um, but definitely not enough to, to say that he won that round. And, I mean, the, the first two rounds were close. I mean, I thought Barbosa definitely won the first. The second, kind of a coin toss, the significant strikes were, were like, very marginally close. Um, but 30-27 the other way, I feel like is ridiculous. One judge gave it 30-27 to Paul Felder, and then uh, the third judge, which is the only one who I think, you know, had a brain in their head, gave it 29-28 for Felder, which I could see you, I could see that argument. I can't see 30-27 for either guy, but give me your thoughts, Joe. Yeah, Bill, this fight was really, really good. The decision, I'm not totally sure it went the right way. I wanted Paul Felder to win because he lost the first fight, and, you know, he's out of Philly, he's near us, but I don't feel like he did enough to win this fight. Mm-hmm. In the third round, yeah, maybe you give him a 
Um, I don't think so. I think he could have actually finished the job in that third round, and the fact that he didn't, to me, merits that it should be a 10-9 instead mm-hmm. of a 10-8. But that's just me. I didn't see him winning the second round. Maybe you give him the first round, maybe, but I felt like Edson Barbosa just slightly got robbed here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fair to say, and unfortunately a lot of people aren't going to remember it that way. I don't think the pay-per-view sales are going to be very good for this, at least in the United States where a majority of the UFC's market is. Uh, I mean, I even had a hard time purchasing the pay-per-view here because, you know, I'm in a different, I'm not in my home, I'm in my parents' home, so I had to figure out a way to get ESPN Plus on their TV, and then I had to figure out a way to order it. Long story short, I don't think the numbers are going to be huge for UFC 242, Um, and in the long run, it's going to go down, (laughs) it's going to go down as a victory for Paul Felder, and that's the way most people are going to remember it. Um, And... It, it was a great fight. I mean, any way, any way you slice the ending of it, it, it was a phenomenal fight. Probably fight of the night. I haven't seen the, the win bonuses yet. Um, but, I mean, you you got to give these guys some extra cash for the performance they put on. I mean, they both left everything in the cage. And I mean, you saw the emotion uh, on Paul Felder when the decision yeah. was announced. And I think he was probably a little bit surprised, like we were, that he came away with that decision. And, like, if you gave either one of these guys a 30-27, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, I don't know I don't know what fight you were watching. Yeah. Like, you either fell asleep in the first round or you fell asleep in the third round. And I don't know how you do that because it was an amazing fight. Um, anything else on this matchup, Jeff? No, I agree with you 100%. I thought this was fight of the night. You know, both guys bloodied up at the end. It, it had everything. It was perfect. For sure. And for those of you hearing a little bit of background noise, that's my daughter, Ariana, who's who's running back and forth through the dining room. I told you guys we're in like the uh, the main hub of the house right now, so we may have some unsuspected guests coming in and out. Let's move on down the card. Islam Makachev against Davi Ramos, um, two of the best grapplers arguably in the division and arguably in the UFC. I mean, Davi Ramos, Abu Dhabi champion in 2015, I believe. High, high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, uh, amazing grappler, and Islam Makhachev, one of the best wrestlers um, in in the UFC right now. Uh, he he can take down pretty much anybody. Until his last fight, he had never been taken down in the UFC. His last fight against the the Jordanian fighter, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, I can look it up real quick here. Oh, Armand Saryukian. Mm-hmm. Um, so until he fought Armand Saryukian, he'd never been taken down in the UFC. So it, it was interesting. This was one of the most interesting stylistic matchups to me uh, on the entire card. And um, I may have mentioned this briefly on the last episode, but that was two weeks ago now, and a lot's happened since then. Um, so you have a guy who can take down anybody against a guy that nobody would ever want to take down yeah. in, in Davi Ramos. Um and we didn't see that until the third round. This was largely a stand-up battle where, uh, you know, Makichev, you know, was a longer, rangier fighter. He was landing a lot more uh, against Ramos, who's the shorter, stockier fighter. And uh, in that third round, he dropped Ramos and landed some big shots. And after he rocked him, he felt comfortable staying on the ground with him, which I think was probably a good decision, as dangerous as Ramos is on the ground. Uh, give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude, I think he went in there with the right game plan. Um, unfortunately, I would have liked to see a, a little more grappling between these guys. Yeah. But I think that that's always going to happen when you have two high-level grapplers. Is they're going to respect each other, each other's grappling so much that no one's really going to pull the trigger. Um, but, you know, other than that, it was still a very good stand-up fight. Um, a shame that Davi Ramos didn't get the win. It felt like, you know, this one was another one that could have probably gone either way. Um, but still, uh, I think uh, Makachev went in there with the right game plan to win this fight. For sure. And that he did. <laughs> so there it is. Uh, before that, we had heavyweights, Curtis Blade and Shamil Abdurahimov. Uh, Curtis Blade just, um, you know, putting his skill set fully on display here. I love the style of Curtis Blades because he takes guys down and makes it look easy. So here we have a high-level Russian wrestler in Abdurahimov, and Curtis Blades took him down like it was nothing. Um, he easily has a record for most takedowns in UFC heavyweight history with 40 going into this fight. I think he came out of this fight with like 46. Uh, so he takes guys down, and then he just kind of wears on them, makes them carry his weight, lets them stand back up, carrying his full 257-pound uh, weight load on their way back up. And then when they finally get back up, he just puts them down again and makes them do it all over again. And that just breaks people mentally. When you work so hard, you put so much energy into trying to get back to your feet, and you just get tossed right back down, um, it just breaks your will to want to be in there. And that's what Curtis Blades does to people. And I feel like He's so underappreciated for his ability to do that. And then finally he's able to get the TKO finish, drop some huge elbows, smashed Abdurahimov's nose into pieces. Like we were saying, he, he's now the member of the Andre Arlovsky Nose of the Month Club. Uh, <laughs> for September. It's his only nose, the first week. Yeah, his nose has definitely seen better days. Uh, so that, that was that. Outstanding performance by Curtis Blaze. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, Curtis Blades, really similar wrestling to Khabib Nurmagomedov, where he sticks to you, excuse me, doesn't let you do what you want, he doesn't give you space to do what you want, and on top of it, he's raining down elbows and punches and smashing your face in. So, <clears throat> Curtis Blades went in there with the right game plan, and Bill, where do you see Curtis Blades in this heavyweight picture? Because Stipe Miocic shook things up when he beat DC, um, do you see Curtis Blades putting his name into the title picture here? Because he's strung a lot of wins together at this point. I mean, it's kind of tough because he has that TKO loss against Francis Ngannou, which I think was an early stoppage. A lot of people thought it was an early stoppage. And then he looked fantastic against Justin Willis. He looked fantastic tonight or today uh, on a card that not a lot of people have seen. And I feel like it's a story of Curtis Blades' career. Like A lot of people are just not seeing these performances I think you have to get him on a main card in the States on like a Vegas card against one of these top heavyweights. And, uh, you know, he's got to put on a, a, a good performance there. Um, I, I, I can't see him jumping the line over Ngannou since Ngannou does have the two wins over him, even though they're both controversial. The first time it was a, a doctor stoppage due to a cut which Blades was willing to continue, but the doctor wouldn't let it happen. And then the second time, it was an early stoppage from the referee. So kind of an unfortunate series of events for the career of Curtis Blades, but I think he's just one of those guys where just, you know, he's not in the right place at the right time, unfortunately. But 
Um, I'm a big fan of his skill set. I'm looking forward to his next fight, but I, I understand that not a lot of other people are. All right, moving down the card, Diego Ferreira against Maribek Tysimov. I, I thought this was a great fight. Uh, I thought it was very interesting because Ferreira, who's, when he started his UFC career, he was basically just a jiu-jitsu fighter. And uh, he outstruck Tysimov after that first round. Tysimov took that first round, I, I think, handily. And then uh, Ferreira weathered the storm. And then pressure, 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 especially in that third round, which was arguably a 10-8 for Ferreira, where he was just in Tysimov's face the entire time. Uh, and he comes away with the United decision victory. Give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Yeah, dude, Ferreira went in there with the right game plan after that first round, just smothering Tysimov, not giving him any space to get any offense off. And I don't know what his corner said to him, but it must have been great advice because it won him that fight, uh, especially in rounds two and three. Yeah. All right, let's take this opportunity to uh, take a break and hear from our, our sponsor, or what should be our sponsor, uh, Flying Dog Beer, because that's what you brought over to the house today, Jeff, and that's what we were cracking during the Joanne Calderwood and Andrea KGB Lee fight. Um, so uh, tell the people what you brought over. In the spirit of uh, you know a fall beer season, we've been talking about a lot of pumpkin beers. Uh, what would you bring to the table today? Yeah, so uh, fortunately I don't have any bottles to show you because we're, we've gone through a lot of them, <laughs> but um, I brought over, and you know, this was, unfortunately, the beer spot I went to, they usually have a bigger selection, but they were at a weird spot where they had run out of summer beers and hadn't ordered enough fall beers yet, so some more is going to be on the way, but uh, I saw some Flying Dog Brewery stuff, and I thought, the logo looks interesting, I'm in a mood for some fall beers, let me pick some stuff up, so I picked up some Bloodline which is an IPA, an Imperial Pumpkin Ale, um, as well as The Fear. What's the name of it? The Fear. No, The Fear um, is the pumpkin one. The Bloodline is the Blood Orange. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got them mixed up, yeah. The Bloodline is Blood Orange. The um, Fear is Pumpkin. And I really developed a taste for that pumpkin. It had some spices in it that you tasted on the back end, Bill. It was just perfect for this nice, chilly day. Um... It hit the spot today, man. Yeah, and it, and we we getting a lot of backlash about the the pumpkin beers. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pumpkin phobia out there. You know, there are people who are like manly men out there who are afraid to embrace the pumpkin spice. But you know, put a little spice in your life. Don't be afraid of it. Um, you, you know, even even like manly men like us can en enjoy a little bit of of fall festivities in our beer. Um, I, I really like the Flying Dog too, and it's, you know, talk about a harsh beer, it's a 9%. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> after two of those, you're feeling pretty good, which is probably why we lost uh, track of points in the Joanne Calderwood and Andrea Lee fight. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> at the end of it, we were like, um, I don't know, maybe Andrea Lee won, but of course, Joanne Calderwood coming away uh, with the unanimous decision victory, of course, we were very happy to hear her. Beautiful accent uh, in the post-fight victory speech, but it was a, that was a close fight. I mean, it was very back and forth, and for for the people in Abu Dhabi who were trying to keep females off of the card, I am really glad because of this fight that they didn't win that battle because we wouldn't have gotten this awesome performance from these two ladies who were battling the humidity, battling each other, and. They were battling the fact that there were people in this country who did not want them to perform, and they went out and arguably had one of the best performances uh, on the entire card. So, 
Flying Dog Beer, awesome. The Blood Orange was good. The, the pumpkin was amazing. Uh, had a nice spiciness to it, smoothed out with a little bit of sweetness, and it still had that 9% to kick you in the ass. Uh, and there was some ass kicking in the fight with these two ladies, Jeff. So give me your thoughts on JoJo Polarwood and Andrea Lee here. Yeah, dude. Um, speaking of the fear, um, you know, it's it, it kind of comes with the territory. It's a cultural thing. Uh, I know that we over here probably don't get it. But hopefully this fight broke some barriers. I think that um, this fight was awesome. There was blood. There was grappling, striking. Um, Joanne Calderwood, I thought, did such a good job, you know, when the beer wasn't making me sleepy. I thought that <laughs> she did such a good job of timing some of her takedowns, uh, especially the first one she landed. She caught Andrea Lee's knee and just seamlessly put her on her back. So, really good fight from both of these ladies. I don't think anybody's stock goes down in this one. Because, uh, like I said, we saw some good grappling on display. We saw some very good striking. It was a very technical fight. So, hopefully it bro broke some barriers in a country where, you know, um, like we said, there's some cultural differences. Hopefully this makes everybody open up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Calderwood coming away with the unanimous decision victory, like we said. But um, she asked for a title fight, but she kind of stuttered in the process. So uh, it puts her in the top five, but she's not getting that title fight, um, uh, at least for another fight or two. But there are some interesting matchups. You know, maybe Jessica Andrade. Um, you, you know, the, there are some fun fights for her at this division. Um, we're a little bit tied up in that top five right now. You know, Ioana Janjacek and Michelle Waterson are going to be fighting at UFC Tampa. I'll be there in person. So if you guys are going to be at that fight as well, you know, definitely let me know on social media. And uh, we'll, we'll meet up for some pictures and beers and, and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, great performance from these ladies. And, and they definitely showed the Abu Dhabi crowd, you know, what's up with women's MMA. Uh, Zubaira Tugagov and Liram Murphy. So this was a fight where... Uh, Tugagov could have easily walked away with a unanimous decision victory here. When the fight ended, we were Jeff and I were both crediting Murphy with the great job he did with his takedown defense, and he stayed active off his back. He actively tried to get up, and then when he was up, he was landing some big shots. Um, he he outlanded uh, Tugagov handily when they were on the feet, um, but he got taken down, you know, pretty easily and and held down. For a majority of this fight, so we thought Tukagov was was gonna walk away with this one. It winds up being a majority draw, so that means one judge gave it to Tukagov, one judge gave it to Murphy, and another judge gave it a draw. I'm not mad that this was a draw, um, but I am mad that there's no consistency with the judging. You know, it's gotta be. It's got to be one way or the other. You have to count grappling more or count striking more or not. Um, and, and that's the problem we've seen with with a lot of judging on a lot of cards. Um, I thought this was a great fight. I thought it was an interesting stylistic matchup. Um, it would have been good for Tugagov to get this win here because obviously he's an outstanding grappler. He's got that relentless Russian style of grappling like Khabib. Um, and then Murphy showed that he's tough as hell. You know, he, he still looked fresh after getting held down for three rounds. He popped right back up at the end of that third round, uh, and he was still ready to go. Uh, so what do you think about this one, Jeff? 
Yeah, I thought that Leon Murphy didn't deserve a loss here. So I think the draw was really good. And like you said, Bill, Leon Murphy just did such a good job of, while being on his back, he was still mounting offense. And, you know, if you didn't go, if you didn't see this fight, go back and watch it because you see Leon Murphy, you know, going for strikes, going for submissions. Uh, I believe it was the second round he, he sneakily went for this, uh, um, for this Kimura lock, and, you know, he made Turkov nervous. He As soon as Turkov felt it, he flipped over to his back and, and tried to get into a better position. So I felt like Leon Murphy just did so much to to merit not losing. Uh, so I felt like the draw was, was definitely a good decision. I would love to see these guys fight again. I think uh, Leon Murphy, you know, just... The, the pressure was a lot, but I felt like Murphy did such a good job of dealing with it. So, you know, kudos to both of these guys. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a great fight. Uh, very back and forth, and uh, a lot of respect for both of those guys. Uh, very different styles. Uh, probably not the type of fight that a lot of fans would typically enjoy, but we enjoy the fuck out of it. So uh, that all that's all that matters for, for our purposes. Uh, moving back to the females... Uh, Sarah Morris against Liana Jojua. Uh, Morris missed weight. And the unfortunate thing about this is that her nickname is Cheesecake. And, ah, fuck. We've been through this so many times, Jeff. And and, and we've already dispelled the, the myth of, of females missing weight because of their biological functions that happen once a month. Uh, if you've missed that, go back to the episodes or, or the clip, there's clips on YouTube. If you go to our YouTube channel, I put it as a highlight. Serena De Jesus, a professional MMA fighter out of Syndicate in Las Vegas, she says that if you know your period's coming up, you gotta cut extra weight. And she has no respect for any of these hoes that are missing weight and, and coming in and, and having uh, victorious fights. And it seems to be even more prevalent with the women where. The, the women who are missing weight are winning the fights um, because, you know, there's such a there's such a discrepancy inside. You can see Morris was was uh, the, the much larger fighter here. And Jojua, I think, was winning this fight until the third round when I guess um, it was too much weight to bear, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, super disappointed. I wasn't a fan of Sarah Morris going into this. Not a fan now. So, uh, I just, I don't know what to say, man. Sarah Morris, just take it easy on the cheesecakes, man. Just wait until <laughs> after the fight. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to defend her. She's coming off. I understand that, like, there's a lot at stake and there's a lot on the line when you're fighting the UFC. And sometimes, you know, sacrificing that 20% of your purse is worth it to come away with a win in the UFC. But she's coming off of three straight losses, uh, she has basically a 500 record coming into this fight. Make the weight and do it the right way or don't do it at all. Uh, that's it. I mean, it's 50% of the job. You, you have two jobs. You have one job to come in at the weight that you signed a contract that you agreed to fight at. And your second job is to fight. That's it. That's the two parts of the things you have to do. And then before that... You know, it's up to you. You train however you want to train and do whatever you want to do and eat what you want to eat to get to that contracted weight and to get into the cage and do what you have to do inside the cage. If you can't do that first part, it's sanctioned cheating, like the way Dominic Cruz says it. Um, 
But, you know, I, I don't want to waste more breath complaining about this. You know, congratulations to uh, Morass on, on a victory. But, you know, good luck staying in the UFC with, with these kind of work habits where you're coming off with three losses and then missing weight. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets cut after this despite winning the fight. Um, you know, three straight losses, and then she wins over a girl who she outweighed um, by a great margin, you know, after the weigh-in. So there's that. Only one other fight I want to talk about on the early prelims. Um, Bilal Muhammad looking fantastic over Takashi Sato. Uh, he comes away with his first submission victory in the UFC, rear naked choke. Um, in the third round, he, he hit a really nice outside trip takedown. And Takashi kind of rolled out of it the wrong way, and Bilal stuck right to his back. He had the rear naked choke locked in, uh, and he had his hands locked together, and Sato pulled his hands down, and Bilal Muhammad just kind of pulled both of his hands across and locked in the rear naked choke with the other hand. It was really perfect technique, and uh, kind of the same thing we saw in the, in the Khabib-Poirier uh, fight, uh, where as soon as it was locked in, uh, the tap came shortly after. So a huge win for Bilal Muhammad. Um, and, and he moves right up the, the rankings there. I believe he's broken into the top 15 now. He called out Jing Liang Li. I think that's an interesting fight. Uh, I would like to see it personally. Like I said earlier, I would like to see Jing Liang come and fight in the United States, you know, preferably in Las Vegas. Uh, and I think this is probably the fight to do it. Because, you know, Lee just fought last week. Bilal Muhammad just got a big submission victory. Uh, let's put this together. This is a no-brainer to me. Uh, any other thoughts on UFC 242 here, Jeff, or anything I just said? No, overall, I think it was a really good card. Um, unfortunately, I like you said, I don't think it's going to hit too many positive numbers just because of the timing. And, you know, everybody's out with their friends right now. And... You know, just I, I feel like this ESPN deal, Bill, I know we've talked about it a few times already, but I feel like the UFC is, you know, ESPN is losing a lot of money here. Um, and, you know, taking away that pay-per-view option, I just, I don't know if it's sustainable. And, you know, UFC's numbers, you know, obviously we've talked about how much they're making. So it doesn't affect them as much. But, mm -hmm. you know, I still would like to see names like Khabib Nurmagomedov hit those pay-per-view numbers that a name like Conor McGregor would hit. For sure. Um, but in any case, I know we're going to hit some big numbers next week because we have from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Fight Night on ESPN+. Plus, Saturday, September 14th, headlined by Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And Justin Gaethje, two, you know, perennial marquee guys who always draw in the casual fan, the hardcore fan. I don't think there's anybody who's ever watched fighting in the history of fighting that doesn't enjoy these two guys fighting. And now they're fighting each other. Uh, and, and it's a pretty good card supporting it. But uh, give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, every now and then the stars align and you get the perfect main event. I think this is it. I think stylistically, it's going to be awesome. Um, you have someone in Justin Gaethje who can wrestle, who has really good leg kicks and has improved his striking over the years. And then you have Donald Cerrone who can mix it up 
everywhere. He's got Muay Thai. He can grapple off of his back, which I feel his his submission game off his back is very underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always looking for arm triangles and uh, Kimura's regular triangles. So um, th- this is going to be a fight. The rest of the card looks pretty solid as well. I'm really excited for Glover Teixeira versus Nikita Krylov. Todd Duffy's on here. We haven't seen him in a while. He's got a lot of knockout power, mm-hmm. but I-, I can't get as excited for those fights as I am for this main event. Yeah, I mean, the main event is definitely, like, a fight fan's dream. Um, You know, you've got that... Cowboy is a notoriously slow starter. Everybody knows this. Um, Even in his last fight against Al Iaquinta, it took him a little while to get going before he really started putting the pressure on. Um, and, And he struggles with guys who pressure him a lot. You know, historically, he's had a hard time with guys who get in his face. Justin Gaethje is the guy who's going to get in your face from bell to bell. So Cowboy's going to have to weather the storm a little bit here. Uh, he's going to have to avoid those big shots of Justin Gaethje. He's going to have to use his range a little bit. Uh, I don't think this fight goes to the ground at all until somebody gets knocked down. The longer the fight goes, it's going to favor Cowboy Cerrone, not because Justin Gaethje will get tired because he will not. Justin Gaethje will not get tired. He will be going 100 miles per hour for 25 minutes. I can guarantee you that if I can guarantee you anything. But it favors Cowboy because as the fight goes on and as Cowboy warms up and he gets his reads on his opponent and he's able to implement his combinations and his Muay Thai style and his slow methodical striking attack, uh, he will get better as the fight goes on. Uh, So that's why this fight is really intriguing from from a fan's perspective. It could end really quickly, or it can end up being an all-out war. Because even when Cowboy Striking gets going, Justin Gage is really hard to put away. So these guys could end up slugging it out for 25 straight minutes as a main event here. Like you said, Glover Teixeira and Nikita Krylov, that's a fantastic co-main event. Um, I think a lot of people are going to overlook that one. But I, I think that's a really fun stylistic matchup. You also have Uriah Hall and Antonio Carlos Jr. on this card. So that's a really great uh, striker versus grappler matchup. Of course, Antonio Carlos Jr., one of the best Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners in the UFC, hands down. Um, but, you know, had a hard time, you know, gassing out in his last fight uh, against Uriah Hall, who's one of the most flashy strikers in the UFC. Um, so... That, that, that's a really fun one. You know, Carlos Jr. is going to have to figure a way to get Uriah Hall down to the mat, and then we'll see how he does down there. He's good at surviving on the ground, but not really known as a grappler. Then we also have uh, Misha Serkinov and Jimmy Crute. That's going to be a really good fight. That's a really fun fight, and it, that's kind of like on the cusp here. I think that may be on the prelims. I'm looking at Sherdog right now, and you can never really tell with them. And then uh, Marvin Vittori, Andrew Sanchez. That's a fun fight. We got Brad Katona and uh, Hunter Azur on here. Chaz Skelly is fighting on this card against Jordan Griffin. Uh, Louis Smoka and Ryan McDonald. That's another fun fight. Um, nothing else really jumping off the page here, but uh, you know this is definitely a fight top to bottom you're going to want to tune into because even you know the the guys that you may not recognize uh, on the bottom of the card, there's usually you know the the hungry fighters that are looking to put on a, a good performance. Give me your thoughts, uh, uh, you know, looking forward to this card, Jeff. Dude, this fight card, looking up and down, it looks great. 
Uh, the prelims are going to have some good fights. Like we said, uh, Misha Cherkinov versus Jimmy Crute. I think that's going to be a real barn burner. I think someone's going to sleep in that fight. Um, Marching Zaboros on here against Augusto Sakai. That should be really good. Um, like you said, that Uriah Hall, Antonio Carlos Jr. fight looks really good. And Bill, the more we talk about this, the more excited I am for this entire card. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to enjoy the build-up to the main event as much as I am the main event, man. Um, a lot of good fighters on here. Chaz Skelly, he's, he's a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in that featherweight division, he's really going to make a splash. Louis Smoka, super well-rounded. Um, this is going to be an awesome, awesome card. Yeah, man, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm going to be uh, back home after, you know, a couple of weeks of traveling. I had a great time here in the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area. Like I told you earlier, I got to go down to New York City and train at, at Hensel Gracie Academy. I think I'm going to save that story for another time. You know, I got to go down to the famous blue basement mm. at Hensel Gracie's and, and take a class with the infamous John Danaher. And uh, it, it was it was a really cool experience. I got to I got to talk to, you know, some high level grapplers like Gary Tonin and Craig Jones and, and guys like that, Jason Real, and um, it, it was r- really cool, uh, you know, just being in that environment and getting to train in it and take a two hour class and and just talk to these guys and kind of pick their brains a little bit about grappling. You know, I've been I've been grappling for a long time. Um, and I've been watching these guys for a long time, so I got to see a lot of things that they're doing. So to be able to talk to them in person and kind of see how their how their minds work and, and their perspectives on jujitsu, um, it, it definitely gave me a lot to digest. And you know, we're kind of hitting that point in the episode where where we start to lose people anyway. So um, if you guys are interested in hearing more about this story let us know on social media maybe i'll do like a a separate episode and and kind of tell the story of going down to the blue basement and uh training with those guys and you know i still have uh another experience coming up uh, on this trip which uh, i'll keep you guys informed on throughout the week check out the social media because i've been posting all about it there i put some pictures from training at henzo's on instagram at mma on the rocks and on twitter at MMA on the Rocks as well. Uh, I plan on getting back to the blog articles at MMAontherocks.com. And uh, if you guys want to get a hold of Jeff here, that animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget the animals on Instagram now, so give them a follow on there. And uh, anything else you want to get off your chest today, Jeff? Uh, no, I think it's been an awesome afternoon of fights. I'm glad you're up here, Bill. So, uh, I say we wrap it up and go grab some dinner. Yeah, we'll go get some dinner, and then I'm, I'm going to head to the movies. For anybody watching on YouTube who's been wondering what I've been sipping on throughout this episode, it's a Get Up to Get Down by Interborough Brewery, which I believe is out in Brooklyn here in in New York City. Um, so that's a, that's a local brew here. You can see this nice uh, light blue label they got here, Get Up to Get Down. It's a double dry hopped. IPA, which is, you know, basically they take a beer that tastes good and then they run it through some hops again uh, to give it a little more hoppy flavor. And for some reason with the fermentation or whatever happens there, it ends up being a little smoother. So this is just a nice regular um, double dry hopped IPA to kind of taper off from all the pumpkin and blood orange stuff we've been doing, which, um, you know, 
as good as it is, it can can get a little heavy. But there's that. UFC 242, that's a wrap. And then we got Fight Night next week. Gaethje and Cowboy, a lot of fun stuff coming up. Took a week off last week. Hopefully you guys got your fill of MMA on the rocks. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.